We are in the last few days of December, and starting today, we're standing right here at the threshold of what will be in 2022. I want you to take a moment to simply consider both the gifts that we receive from one another, that's a great thing, but more importantly, from God last year, and then looking forward to the year to come. Uh, the future that he holds for us this coming year. I think what we'll see in today's study together is that those gifts come to us both numerous as well as valuable. And we'll see some of that today, hopefully, as we study together. I thought about this as I was turning from December to January in my schedule, my planner. And uh, as I had in my hand writing down uh, what was to come this coming year, all the dates that are generally already set, and how I was doing that in pencil. I rarely to never write in my calendar with ink because it just doesn't usually work out as I think it's going to. had the pencil in my hand and I was jotting these marks down in my, in my calendar. Some of the thoughts that occur to me when I do that on a pretty regular basis is places like John 4, I mean James 4, verse 14, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. In fact, tomorrow often brings something very different than we had scheduled and planned, right? I was thinking about it as I was doing this, thinking about First Chronicles chapter 16 and at verse 11, where we're taught there to seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. And that word continually there is the key word to all of that. Seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek his presence continually. God is still God and you and I are still not. And that matters when it comes to how we view the future and how we look at behind us at the past to recognize that true fact. As we consider the, the close of the year and the coming of the new year and the gifts or the presence from God in all of that, we want to take thought this morning from Romans chapter 8. And so I'd uh, invite you to turn with me over there to Romans chapter 8, and it speaks concerning God's predetermined plan, His providence in the life of those who are His and those He would have His. And I encourage you then to turn over to that. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you this morning, we provide one for you there. It's one of the great things we emphasize in this church is what God has to say, and not just what preachers or ministers or others have to say. And so I want you to turn with me in the Bible to that passage. And if you're using that Bible that's there in the rack in front of you, it's 1122, page 1122. For the rest, turn over there to Romans chapter 8. I want to welcome everybody this morning. Uh, thank you, each of you, for being here today. We have a lot of people who are traveling today. They're gone from us. And, uh, and then we have those who come in to us, and that's great as well. But in all of that, we know that that's, this is the time of year that it is, the holidays, people coming and going. And uh, let's remember one another in prayer and God's safety and security in all the traveling that so many are doing right now. 
Okay, I gave you enough time. So Romans chapter 8, if you're not there, you're behind. And so hurry and grab that text. We're going to read beginning down in verse 28 of the text. We'll read somewhat of a lengthy uh, section of text together. So Romans chapter 8, down in verse 28 of this text. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes or is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor any el- anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is one of my personal favorites in all of the Bible, this text. It is the, if we were to study through from the beginning to the end of Romans, this is the pinnacle of the book. It's the high point that the book uh, is drawing up to and then after this point it begins to define for us what that looks like if this is who you are in Christ what does that look like so the rest of the book then is dealing with very much application but this is drawing up to the kind of people we are in Christ and we don't gain this standing by any other means except through him As of today, we have 377 days until 2023, if I counted that right, and it might not be, but it's close to that anyway. 300 plus 377 days till we come up to the following year. And though God knows, we do not know the detail of even one of those coming days in our future and what the details will bring forth in each of those days. Does that make you feel a little smaller than you might have when you woke up this morning? We don't even know any of those details. Now, we might speculate, we might count on some things. Doesn't mean we know them, though, does it? We do know this, though. One all-important thing, that for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, all things in each of those days will work together for good. That word all there in the Greek, it includes that which is seen specifically. That which is seen and that which is not seen. That which is of great importance and that which is of minor importance throughout day to day. 
Now that's important for us to understand that because what that word is meant to do is express the size of God's working on our behalf. And it's huge. The size of his working means everything. God is not just present sometimes. God is not just present at the important times. God is present and working all, is what the text says, times. Some rely on that. Some may even be here this morning who greatly rely on that. And it's seen in the works that are done. Uh, It is from John. The passage we read just a moment ago uh, at the Lord's table. First John, where we read, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. That's the works that are evident from someone in this position through Christ or with Christ. But here is the concern, brothers and sisters, not so much on the positive, but the concern comes with the negative. Too many may not really believe in this. And others may never stop to consider all of it. That is to say, the working of God in their life. When their life is moving and happening and busy. But I would say to you, both of these problems have the same effect. I mean, really, what's the difference? Is there really a difference between one who doesn't believe what God says and one who really never stops long enough to notice it or pay any attention to it? What's the difference in that person's life? The answer is seen in how some of us may have been willing over the past year to pass up opportunities for spiritual growth, strengthening, good works to come from our lives. I'm drawing these, some of these ideas that we're looking at from this text out of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 and 8. As the new year approaches, some may keep this same formation that they have had from previous years into 2022 and really just planning to kind of keep that formation into the coming years after that. Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen, even some among God's family have made it a habit in their life year after year to hold on to the dust while they let gold fall away. It's possible for us to grasp the lesser things of life and let the bigger things of life really fall away from us. I want to say to you this morning, and I know that many of us, if not all of us, would agree with this statement, there is nothing better, there is no greater assurance that is given us than when we choose to serve the living God with our lives. And that's what Galatians chapter 6 is talking about. Some people are intent or willing to live with self-inflicted spiritual poverty in their life. The passage in Romans declares that's the absolute wrong move to make in our life. That there's something much better that God is expecting for us and has planned for us even from day to day. So as you look back on this year and you look forward to the quickly approaching new year that's coming, what is it that you will allow God to have his way with in your life that you have disallowed him to have his way with in the previous part of your life? It's an important question for us. These are where we find the true gifts that come from the hand of God. 
Things which grow us, things which strengthen us, things which make us different than what we were the year before, going through the same things that we have done from the, from the earlier part of our life. These are the true gifts. This is where the true gift comes from. You may know this already, but he already has it planned out for you what this next year will be. And the year after that, granted, he gives us life and longevity. Uh, and the year after that, and after that, and so on and so forth until you draw your last breath. Now, some may not understand what I mean by that. Some may just outright disagree with that fact. They don't believe that God works this way in our lives and has our lives already planned out and scheduled out. You may have noticed in your text, God says he wants exactly the opposite to spiritual poverty for us. In fact, he uses an often misunderstood word to describe his will in our lives. Did you notice it? It's a word that a lot of times, especially brethren, are very discomforted by, and they don't like the word. In fact, they would rather not have it in the Bible at all, and it is that word predestined. Predestined. It's there. You can't deny it. You can't just cross it out. You can't redefine it. It says it. It is what it is. That doesn't mean people don't misunderstand it. I'm just saying it's there. Let's not overlook it. Let's not undervalue it. Let's actually examine that and notice what God is saying about it and just be honest about it in our lives. Because I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, without a predestination, we're sunk. Because we don't know what tomorrow will hold. Look at what he says in verse 29. For those whom he predest or foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now what that is telling us, ladies and gentlemen, very clearly and easily to understand is, God has a plan for people's lives. That's all that means, isn't it? God's got a plan out there. In fact... That plan is based on his foreknowledge of us. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. Some may question how much about us God knows beforehand. I'd like for us to just investigate that together for just a second. It has a reason for us looking at it as we move along in our thoughts together this morning. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at a, the first few verses of Psalms 139. You might just turn over there, refresh your memory just a minute. We're going to pick up there in verse 14 for just half a second. Just read a few words from there. If we had covered the last part of this Psalm, 14 onward, we would have observed the prophet David's teaching regarding the sanctity of life. And I've, I've, I've even preached lessons from this section about abortion and things like that that devalue the sanctity of life, how we look at one another as, as humans in the human race. But I'd like for you to notice that we are, he says, fearfully and wonderfully made. What makes that the case? Why does he conclude this information? Well, he goes on to say, Wonderful are your works, my soul. That's one reason we have a soul. Knows it very well. The information that you have given us about ourselves magnifies him, God. 
Verse 15, he goes on to talk about how we are made. My frame was not hidden from you when it was being made in secret. Verse 16, your eyes saw, and look at those words if you don't have them underlined or highlighted. Those are words to highlight. Unformed substance. That's the beginning, God says, of your life in this world. The unformed substance even. God saw those things, what it takes to make DNA, what it takes to make the beginning of a human. He saw those things and he said about that human in the womb, still unformed, in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me. As of yet, there was none of them. Back to our text of Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is teaching the very same concept. God foreknew each of those He has created. And He has the purpose of their life in His mind, in His plan. No one is created without the purpose, not just of life, but becoming to look like Jesus the Christ. That is a predestination. Everyone falls into that predetermined plan of God. And what does Paul say is that purpose again? Well, I've already mentioned it, but let me just, for the sake of emphasis, point out. Is that plan of God, is that to have a life in pursuit of earthly things? Because I'd just like to remind you, those things are dying away along with our physical body. I mean, that's not really a, a, a predetermined plan that's going to have concrete, is it? Is it to satisfy our own selfish pleasures, our own desires in life, giving way to a selfish way of thinking and living? It, it, does that sound like a good permanent plan that would come from God? Our pride, our vainglory... Just remind you out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, where we're told if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now here's the point to all of that. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God... And here's the secondary point, abides forever. One is temporary, one is, he says, forever. And so Paul is saying the right answer is to be conformed to this image of God's Son. That takes time, it takes effort on our part. Our predetermined destiny, however, from God is to look like Jesus. Now here's the thing to all of that. It doesn't mean that he forces anyone to respond positively to our predetermined destination by him, given by him. There is a predestination that we've been called to. And maybe you have heard that call before and responded to it. Maybe you're hearing it this morning for the first time. Either way, my mind, and yours probably as well, may go to places like Acts chapter 2. And I'll remind you of a passage that is often quoted and thought of in this context. In verse 37, when they heard God's call, the text says, they were cut to the heart. 
They were cut to the heart. You see, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that is the thing that happens when we are contrary to God. When we recognize, when, we, when it finally occurs to us, look at all that God gives, look at all that God has done, look at how he's known me even from the womb, and how he has had a purpose for me in life, a planned out reason for my existence. Then we come to understand what this term repentance should refer to. Galatians chapter 3 verse 22, the scripture declares all are prisoners of sin so that the promises by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Again, 1 John chapter 1 verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We have separated ourselves by being contrary to God and his predetermined plan. And that's what those kind of verses are teaching. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, no temptation has ever overtaken you, but what is common to humanity, to mankind. Romans 3 verse 23, how we know that one may be by heart, all have sinned and fall, we do continue to, is the idea in that text, we fall short of God's glory, of what God has created us for, of showing God the glory that he has created in us. We've all fallen short of that. How? By sin. We chose to not follow the plan. And what was all detailed in that plan was tremendous as a gift. Jesus himself would say in John chapter 8, verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. That's true for me. That's true for you. That's true for all who come to the age of accountability. And so Peter says, as well as the rest of the apostles, back to our text in Acts chapter 2, when they heard this, they were cut to, the par to, cut to the heart, and they said, What shall we do? Peter says, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a pretty special thing. Now, maybe here it is. I'm just going to say it. If you're a Christian and you've heard that a thousand or ten thousand times, maybe you don't think much of that. And I'd like for you to stop for a second and think a little more about it. What all is entailed in that comment? You can do this and get back on track because then God does this and sets you back on his predetermined plan, your predestiny. Brothers and sisters, where in the world would we be had it not been for that message from the Scriptures? We started out right. At some point, we threw it away with sin. We decided, just like our forefathers, all the way dating back to the Garden of Eden, that we didn't care what God wanted in His predetermined plan. What we cared about was what we wanted in that plan, and it wasn't what God wanted. And we threw it away. But what it took to bring it back... Here in our text of Romans chapter 8, we're talked to about this promised 
justification, glorification. And here in Acts chapter 2, we read about God's gift of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 39, For this promise is to you and to your children and all who are far off, those not yet even created, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And who is called? Maybe there's just a few select. Maybe it's just those who are kind of above average. Maybe it's just those who are not quite as sinful as some of those other dregs of society. Maybe that's who God is calling. I'll just remind you of 2 Peter 3 verse 9, which tells us the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25, there God tells us, I am the one who blots out your transgressions. I will remember your sins no more. There are other passages like that. Ephesians in the New Testament chapter 1 and verse 7. In him we have what? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus established the Elements of the communion as we took of it this morning. And in Matthew 26, verse 28, you might remember where he says, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Man, you can kind of see a a track going on here in Scripture, right? From the beginning until where we are today and how we see the gift of God and His desire for His predetermined plan to be true in your life and in my life and in all people's life, that of forgiveness and drawing to Him. I just want to point out to you guys, God made that happen, not you and me. God was the one who loved us first, And then we come to love Him because of this plan. So when you read Acts 2.38 and you ho-hum about it, think for a minute or two longer and recognize what all is packed into that plan. And if you've not yet followed that plan, you need to fix that problem today. Paul himself continues when he is asked, or when he asks, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's a rhetorical question, I understand, as you do, but I want you to notice it's followed up by a proof as an answer. How far is God willing to go to reach us? He did not spare his own son, the text says but gave him up for us all. And because of this predetermined plan for our destiny, yours and mine, no one, he says in verse 31, can bring a charge of sin against us. Unless we reject God's purpose in our life, obviously. No one can take our place with God away from us. Since God graciously gives us all things in verse 32. Look at verse 33. No one can stand against God's plans except one's own self is the obvious in that. Rejecting God's predetermined desire and purpose in their life. Yeah, that'll do it. 
but nothing else. Verse 34, no one can condemn us. And I love this part, don't you? Since it is Jesus Christ who died. More than that, was raised, and who's at the right hand of God. Look at that word, interceding. Intervening. Mediating for us. Now, taken for granted also in this text is that if someone is for us, and it took effort for him to be for us, it must mean somebody's against us. Necessarily inferred there. Unless we reject God's plan in our life, the point is not even Satan himself can win in this battle for our soul. Not even Satan himself can pervert the plans of God in the battle for the soul of redemption through Christ. Paul says no one can separate us from the love of Christ in verse 35. Even if it is tribulation and distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or even death itself, verse 36 would say, we are more than conquerors through Him who has loved us. Of this we can be sure, just as Paul was sure in verses 38 and 39, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any else that is created has the power to separate us from the love of Christ, or the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a promise. That's one of those big ones. What a future that is for those who love God, going back to where we began in verse 28, and are called according to His purpose. What a promise that is. Will you receive God's promises for you this coming year, or are you dead set on the way you're going to do things? The direction you'll go in life. What's important to you right now, what will be important to you in the coming days. To do it right, guys, we've got to value what God wants in our life. Because here's the thing. He's got the plan. He is God. And we are not. Do the words describe to you something valuable that you'll place in your life as you look back on the past year that you spent, but will change values or perspectives in the coming year? You've been willing to be pliable in the past year to his wishes for your life your choices, your growth as a child of God. Now, having said that, I'm not condemning anybody. Please don't get that perspective. It's not true. Many people are continually planning based upon what God would have in their life. But here's another fact that we all know is the case. Many are not and need to start. 
I mean, it's true that even the best of us, whoever we might be within this assembly, could probably spend a little more time thinking about and yearning for what does God want in my life and not what do I want in my life. That's probably true to some degree, to some level, in all of our lives. Are you more like Him at the end of this year than you were at the beginning of the year? Or do you look less like the image of Jesus Christ? Which is, by the way, remember, your predestiny. Wouldn't it be great, brothers and sisters, and encouraging to you, to consider the fact that next year will be even greater than this past one? And following the example of the talents that we see in the book of Luke, that because you did well with one, ta one talent, you now will be given more. Or ten talents, you now will be given more. I mean, that is the perspective of the way that God works in Scripture, isn't it? I mean, that, that, that when we grow in Him, we don't just plateau, we just keep on growing. This is the assurance, brothers and sisters, of every Christian. And what Paul is saying in our text is our greatest gifts come from enduring all of life. Now, just by saying that, let me kind of talk about that for just half a second. Because most of the time when I think about the gifts from God in life, I think about the great things that He gives, don't you? Like births. I love it when a new grandchild is born. I need to get my kids on board with that. More. And, 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 or, when, or when your children are born as a husband and wife. Uh, or those times where, where there are promotions in store for us. And we attain those promotions. And with that comes greater wealth. And with that comes greater enjoyment of life. Oftentimes. Those times where health is what I want it to be. I know, it's a, it's a foolish wish. I mean, I, the older I get, when I try to run across the yard, there's stuff bouncing around that's not supposed to be bouncing anymore. And, and it just happens, right? We just grow older. But hey, as we grow older, health becomes more important. For crying out loud, some people will spend every dime they have for better health, right? That's how important that is. And when we get pretty good health, man, that's great. We really thank God for that. And those are the times where we say, you know, it worked out just like I had hoped it would work out. God was, God was with me on this, and He heard my prayer. God is good. Two days later, we turn around and we say, man, oh man, I wish God would have listened. Why does He never hear me? All of life with all of its ups and downs, with all of the good and with all of the things that are difficult in our life. God is building us. He has not let up on the plan. He's not trying to figure out, well, okay, I didn't see this part of their life coming. Let me tweak this a little bit over here and then a little bit over there and I'll make it work out where just like I want it to be. I mean, is that somehow the way that we might get to thinking about God? I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, God is not learning as He goes. And that's what Romans 8 is teaching for us. It's helping us to understand the bigness of God and the smallness of who we are in control of all things. 
That we are not in control of. He's not trying to make a workable plan. His plan is set. His knowledge is thorough. There's no gap. There's no understood value or mark on the calendar that he doesn't know about. And to our good, what Paul is teaching us who are willing to follow him and care about that plan is that all things in our life will work just like he's marked them down to work in pen. Concrete. Does not change. Is not affected by this or that. That's something that God's people today can rest assured in knowing. I don't know of a greater message from Scripture about our future and who we are in God's plan than what we're reading right there in Romans chapter 8. It's awesome. It's the best thing we could ever hear. And then on top of that, he goes on to declare just how much he's willing to pay for that. What else could God give besides himself? His own son. God in the flesh. We couldn't ask for bigger gifts from God. The things of value are not by chance. They're not by luck. They're not by coincidence. They are by God and under His control. And we were born for that. That's fantastic. It's great to know that truth. When we follow in His plan, He has plans for us in Christ. I would ask you this morning, where are you in all of that planning from God? Have you even begun the walk yet? I mean, maybe you still find yourself back there just completely contrary to the plan God has set out for you. I would say to you, if that's where you find yourself this morning, what God calls you to is the very thing that we read just a moment ago out of Acts 2. He'll fix you. He'll put you back on the purpose that you were born to fulfill. And if that's in your mind and in your heart this morning, why don't you respond to it? We'll help you in taking that next step. While together we all stand and as we sing.